Welcome to The Tattooed Mind, a podcast where we explore the intersection of mental health, self-care, and the art of tattooing. This podcast is dedicated to sharing stories, insights, and inspiration from artists who have struggled and overcome obstacles in their lives and careers. My name is Mike Fisher Dubois, and in this episode, I'm joined by Tom Dibler. Tom and I have a really raw discussion about the struggles of sobriety, having to look back at some of the shit you've been through and done and be honest with yourself. There can be a lot of healing in that process, but often it's joined by a lot of pain. I don't like to pick favorites on this podcast, but this was certainly one of the most meaningful conversations that I've gotten to have through this process. I hope you enjoy listening to Tom. My name is Tom Dibler. I work at Create Tattoo Studio in uh, Holidaysburg, Pennsylvania. Um, the typical tattoos I like to do are neo-traditional, um, new school, anything, you know, bright, bold color, uh, stuff like that. I started um, tattooing probably in about like 2005. And it came at a time where my wife was not good. Um, I had three small children. Me and my ex-wife, we were, you know, at each other's throats and stuff like that, you know, and I was, I was dying for something to give me some type of inspiration or, or, or something that, you know, I can dive into. And my best friend at the time, he had gotten a kit from his, uh, from his mom because she wanted him to do something with his art because me and him both drew a lot when we were kids. So. So he started tattooing himself and uh, he, he did this tattoo on the back of his leg and he kind of messed it up and he wanted me to fix it because I had gone to art school and whatever. And he just kind of assumed that I would be able to help him out. And I, in the beginning, I was actually kind of, uh, like, I really didn't want to do it. It was just like, I had tattoos and stuff, but it just wasn't really something that I thought I would be into. And, uh, so he. He really kind of pushed it and, uh, he ended up coming over to my house and bringing his stuff with him and I ended up fixing it for him. And, you know, it was crazy because like, as soon as I seen a line in the skin, I, I was just completely enthralled with, with what I was doing. And, and from that moment, I, I remember, I remember that week, my, uh, my ex-wife, man, we fought bad because I'd gotten online and I'd spent a bunch of money that I was supposed to be saving on fucking tattoo equipment. So that was kind of like the start of what I would call my career. And, uh, it was rough because he, as I progressed and I got completely enthralled with tattooing and just like it, it just consumed every aspect of my life to the point where you know, I was missing out on a lot of things, whether it was, you know, stuff to do around the house or, you know, even stuff with my, I mean, I just, I just wanted to tattoo, but at that time I had been going through so many things that 
I had developed a, a pretty bad pill addiction. I, I really liked opiates, bikes, perks, whatever. Um, and, uh, inadvertently tattooing had, had gotten me to a point where like, I didn't even give a fuck about, about painkillers anymore. Like I had something that I really enjoyed that gave me that, that, uh, that serotonin or whatever, you know? So I, I ended up getting away from painkillers and I just started tattooing and, you know, like I said, like I, I didn't really start out proper. I didn't get an apprenticeship. I didn't, you know, I didn't go, um, about it the way I should have, um, you know, living in a small town, like there, there's only so many shops you can get apprenticeship from. And, you know, and in, in the early two thousands, you know, the internet wasn't super, super hardcore, but you know, while I was hacking and scratching, <clears throat> I had actually gotten on this website called Ink Nation. I don't know if you remember that. So Ink Nation was my first experience with the actual tattoo community. Being a young kid in a small town, you don't know what it's like out there. And, uh, I remember I, I posted some work and, you know, I, I thought like, Hey, it's not bad. I want to see what these other people say. And I got torn the fuck apart, dude. I got tore apart bad. And, uh, you know, after I was done being butthurt, I really kind of realized the mistakes that I had made and that I had gone about everything the wrong way and that I needed to find a way to do things right. So that's when I sought out an apprenticeship. The apprenticeship that I, that I had, uh, you know, all apprenticeships are a little bit different. I bet. Um, this one was, I don't know, it was kind of more of like my mentor knew a little bit more than me, but we kind of learned off of each other. Um, but it wasn't like I didn't learn, you know, everything the right way. You know, there was still a lot of figuring out that I had to do. And that's whenever I started traveling and going to a lot of conventions and stuff. And in like five years, I was traveling to conventions and learning from people, going to seminars. And I just went from there. And, you know, as years went by, you know, from all this traveling and stuff like this, and, you know, and my, my infatuation with tattooing, I had started to distance myself from my family. My ex-wife was doing everything that she could, uh, you know, work and take care of the kids and stuff like that. And I wasn't there. I was gone every weekend, every single weekend. And even during the week, you know, I was never there because I was either going to another shop or I was going to the shop to tattoo and on weekends I'm traveling, you know, different cities, states, whatever. And uh, that ended up wearing everything down real bad. And, uh, me and my ex-wife, we ended up divorcing and like, it was rough, man. Um, I, uh, like, I, I remember when we divorced, I didn't sleep for months. I mean, I'd get like two, three hours of sleep a night, trying to work, trying to, you know, do stuff with my kids, you know, um, it, it was just real bad. And, uh, that's when I got into, uh, drinking, like I had drank in the past. I started drinking, I think my first year I was like 13 or 14, whatever, for whatever reason, you know, 
I used alcohol to try to get me to sleep at night. And in the beginning it worked, you know, I'd have, I'd have a glass of rum or something like that. Cause that, you know, I didn't like beer because I had to drink so much of it. And then I'd be up fucking pissing all the time. But when I started drinking rum to sleep, I, I thought it was great. You know, like I'm getting some sleep, you know, and able to do things. I, and, and honestly, I, I felt better throughout the day, but I, I quickly realized within like a couple of years that I was starting to develop problem because instead of having like one small glass of rum every night, I'm up to a half a fifth and, uh, my life continued to like kind of spiral and a lot of it was because you know, I'm juggling all these things. I'm, you know, paying child support. I'm working, I'm tattooing. I'm trying to see my kids. I'm trying to make time for all these things. And I wasn't necessarily facing everything because I was, I was drinking every single day. And, you know, I ended up, uh, getting in a relationship that kind of catapulted that alcoholism and I went from, you know, drinking, you know, a half a fifth a day to, you know, over a fifth every day. And this went on for eight and a half years, man, like eight and a half years of drinking well over a fifth every single day. Like it got to the point where, you know, I was delegating my day based off of when I could go home and drink like, oh, you know, I can't go hang out with my friends because I got to be home at seven, eight o'clock so that I can be drunk by, you know, 10 or 11. And, uh, you know, I started to notice that, you know, my artwork was starting to go downhill. I was starting to, uh, all of my relationships in my life were starting to go downhill. Um, the shop that I co-owned with, you know, my best friends, like in the entire world, uh, I, I lost all that from drinking and just neglecting all of the issues and the red flags that I had, like, you know, shit would happen and I wouldn't even give a fuck. I would go home and I'd just get drunk and, you know, tomorrow's another day. And, you know, I, I got to the point where you know, I started shaking and, you know, when you're doing neo-traditional shit, new school shit, like, you know, old crispy lines, man, or, you know, you, you fucking need them. And if your hands are shaking, you know, you're not going to be pulling out the best work, you know, and it took me, it took me a long time to be able to come to terms with the fact that like, you're doing this to yourself. Like, this isn't you getting older. This isn't you you know, you need vitamins, this, you're, you're, you're fucking drinking too much, man. And I remember the one day I had an appointment and they canceled and I had a walk-in come in and, and like my hands were shaking so bad that I couldn't even draw this walk-in. And I told the client, I'm like, listen, like I, I'm gonna run outside and smoke a cigarette real quick, whatever. Well, here there was a bar down the street. So I ran down to the bar and I took three shots and then ran back up to the shop just so I could draw. It, it was fucking bananas. And, um, you know, a lot of this stuff just, you know, spiraled and spiraled and spiraled until 
um, my relationship ended and, uh, I was kind of forced into a situation where, you know, I had to take control of everything. I'm 40 years old and, you know, I got three kids and I'm fucking living with my parents. Like, like that, that fucking bothered the shit out of me. The fact that, you know, I'm 40 years old and like, this is where I am right now. And it's, and it's all because of a lack of accountability and I didn't have a choice. I, I had to give up drinking. And I just remember the one night I, I just couldn't do it anymore. And I told myself I'm done. I'm not fucking drinking anymore. And about, I'd say it was about six or seven days after I quit drinking, like I quit drinking cold Turkey. Like I didn't wean myself down, nothing. And after, you know, over a decade of, you know, heavy, heavy fucking drinking, I didn't realize, you know, maybe I should have that, you know, that it could have potentially killed me. Um, I ended up having two seizures. Um, you know, I had real bad migraines for, you know, for quite a while, but when I realized that I'm finally making a positive change, that kind of gave me fuel to make changes in the rest of my life. You know, I had said previously that I started drinking because, you know, I, I needed that, you know, help sleep. So that was like a big thing for the first month or two, um, of my sobriety it was like, you know, telling myself like, I can't sleep unless I drink. So I would just lay awake and I would take like two hour power naps throughout the day just to be able to fucking deal with everything. And, uh, it, it was crazy. After like a month and a half, dude, I started sleeping like a fucking baby. It was crazy. Like, like I'll take like. If I'm having issues sleeping, like I can take like a Z quill and some melatonin and I'm good. Like I get like maybe six hours of sleep, but like one of the biggest things and I get, you know, I, I, some people might not get this or whatever. And that's cool. But like, you know, when I, when I really started going to the gym and I started going back to church, like that, that for me is what really pulled me out of at the rut that I was in, you know, like I had like a lot of really, really good friends that really, really helped me out with all that stuff too. And, and, and I'm really lucky for that because I know a lot of people don't, you know, and I mean, like, you know, when you're in active addiction, uh, you burn a lot of bridges, man. You know, I did like the dudes at my old shop. They're some of the best dudes that I've ever met in my life. And I, I fucked that up, you know? So I was really lucky to have the people in my life that helped, but like going to the gym and going back to church, man, like that, that shit pulled me out, especially like the dude that I go to, uh, at the gym, uh, he's a personal trainer. Um, that dude's talked me off more ledges than I think anybody in my entire life. And I don't even think he knows it, but like, that's why now you know, I'm so focused on, you know, busting my ass and grinding and trying to become a better person because when, when you get sober, like they don't tell you, you know, 
that the hardest part about it is facing all that fucking shit that you went through for years. Now you got to face that shit by yourself. Like you've got nothing to dull that fucking pain. You've got nothing to block out those voices. You've got nothing. You, you have to force yourself to become mentally strong. Like, and the, the, the craziest part about it is like, I, I tried to go to like psychiatrists and shit to like get put on medications and stuff. And like, I just, for whatever reason, couldn't ever get into anybody. It was always like, oh, you know, we can schedule you an appointment for six months. And I'm like, fuck, I need this now. And, and I don't know if that was God being like, listen, you don't need a pill. You need to fucking face this shit for yourself. And like, I honestly think that I'm better off for it because, you know, had I had something else that would have turned into a crutch, you know, where the fuck would I be in another five, 10 years? coming off of something else. I mean, I'm not saying anything negative about it. Like, you know, people need whatever they need, but like, you know, I really think that in life, you know, you have to face certain things yourself and that's how you become stronger as a person and, you know, also stronger mentally because you're learning how to cope with these things instead of, you know, drinking and shit, you know, but like I've been sober for over a year now. Um, I haven't been drunk. I haven't, you know, I barely smoke weed anymore, which is something that I thought I would be doing a lot more of, but I found that like, I really only like it whenever I go to bed. So, um, you know, my artwork is starting to improve again. Um, I feel way more creative. I, I, I want to be around more people. I want to, I want to start traveling, you know, and especially now that my kids are all grown up. So, you know, there's, there's a lot to say about, you know, going through hell and then somehow crawling out of it and ending up on top. I know a lot of people, man, we all do. We all know a lot of people that fuck dude, they didn't make it out and it, and it, it sucks. So, you know, I just, you know, there's a lot more that I just don't want to, you know, end up taking, you know, two hours, but you know, the gist of it is man, like. You've got to face your shit yourself. Like you can't, like you can't rely on, you know, an alcohol or a drug, like, because all you're doing is prolonging facing that shit yourself and being accountable for your, you know, your behavior. So yeah, dude. <clears throat> I had a similar feeling when I got sober, um, it was really, really hard to yeah. look back at what I had done and how I had treated people, how I had treated myself. Um, and especially as a tattooer, the sort of stuff that I did to clients and thought was acceptable, whether yeah. it was how I treated them or the work I did for them. Um, you know, we make all sorts of weird justifications for our actions when we're in active addiction and all of a sudden you lose those justifications and you're like, fuck, yep. what is going on? Yeah. I mean, you know, some of the hardest things that I've had to deal with is to be able to be like, you know what, like, like my relationship, like I, uh, I fucked up a lot of it. Um, my marriage, I fucked up all of, it, you know, 
Um, and looking back and it's like, like, you know, my situation right now is like, you know, desperately trying to fix things and like desperately trying to make amends. And like, I'm, I'm getting to the point where I'm so desperate to make up that I end up pushing too hard. So it's like, you know, you, you kind of have to take a step back and realize that, you know, shit takes time. It took me time to get so far down this hole that it's going to take a little bit of time to crawl back out of it. But there's, there is light, man, you know, like, I, I'm sure you felt the same way that like, at one point in time, you felt like, who fucking cares? Like, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. If I die, like, whatever, it doesn't even matter. And then one day you wake up and you're like, man, I don't want that to be my fucking story. I want to, I want to work and be happy about something like, dude, I'm 40. I don't want to be 50 and be a fucking cripple. You know, that's why I started going to the gym. That's why I started getting healthy because I want to be able to enjoy the last 40 years of my life instead of destroying it. Like I did the last fucking 20. Yep. Yeah, totally. I was, you know, I was 29 and having seizures from my yeah. drinking. Um, so yeah, I, I totally know where you're coming from. Um, it's kind of funny to me. I don't know if you went through this, but I had seizures when I was waking up in the morning because I hadn't drank in like a day or two because I was trying to quit. Yeah. Um, and I, one day I, I called like a half dozen people apparently. Um, and they all thought I was drunk. This was like nine in the morning. And I'm just like rolling through my phone, calling people like delusional and shit. I was told everybody thought I was drunk and they were asking me like if I was drinking at this point, I'm sure everyone knows I have a problem and I hadn't been. And it turns out that like a side effect of having a seizure is these like completely like delusional confusion. Yeah, um, which is why I was calling people like I, I was just scared shitless because I didn't know what was going on. Yep. Um, you know, but I was alone when I was having those seizures and it wasn't until um, I, I had a seizure when my wife was home. She hadn't like we were both going to work at the same time and she went to the bathroom and came out and I was having a seizure. Um, and, you know, I, I started drinking again after that. I didn't yeah. quit drinking when that happened. It, it yep. wasn't until like a month later I quit. Um, and like you, I quit cold turkey too. And that was probably the stupidest thing I ever did. Yeah. 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 But like, you know, my older brother, uh, he, he was pretty worried about me quitting because I, I told him that I, I just, I couldn't do it. Like I couldn't be around it. And I'm like, dude, there's no way I'm going to be able to wean myself off this shit. Like, it's just not going to happen. Like, I remember trying to wean myself off of pills before and it there, no, we can't do it because I'd be buy, trusted. Yeah. Well, I'd buy three and I'd fucking eat them and I'd be like, well, fuck, I didn't feel anything. Like I at least want to feel something. And then you go buy fucking eight, you know what I mean? So I knew that alcohol was going to be the same thing. Like, oh, well, I can only have three beers today. Well, what the fuck is the point of that? Like I'll have six, you know, it just, I had to do it this way. Honestly, like, I don't even give myself really a lot of credit for doing it. Like, you know, and, and I know some people might call me fucking crazy, but a lot of it was got like fucking straight up. 
Like there's no way you go from having absolutely zero fucking willpower to be able to quit something. And then all of a sudden, like, I'm good. Yep. You know, I'm pretty candid about this. I agree with you fully. Um, And also, yeah, a lot of people would call us crazy. But I think when you are going through something like that, you have two options or a lot of people have two options. You can believe in God out of necessity or you can just believe in yourself. And I, you know, we saw what the product of believing in ourselves did. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I made so many terrible decisions over the years. Like how could I ever possibly think that making more of them is going to get me out of this hole? I was brought up in a, a Baptist, uh, church and school. Um, so I got hammered with fucking religion 24 seven. And honestly, I hated it, man. Um, I, I, I really did. It wasn't until I started going to this different church where they were like non-denominational and they, they didn't teach religion and that blew me out of the fucking water because you know, that that's all I'd ever been taught. And when I realized that like, there were so many different aspects and perspectives, it like really blew me away. And like, I, I hold that to this day. Like I, I you know, I, I do believe in God, um, but I, I don't believe in religion. I think religion's polluted it. It's anything, yeah. but you know, that's, topic for another day (laughs) totally yeah let's not get into that we don't need to turn (laughs) off people um so you talked about uh church really helped you um and just having like general a sense of faith and also going to the gym did you do a 12 step or anything like that no um my views on addiction are i don't know some people don't agree with them um and i get it um like i know people that have been alcoholics for 40 years man um, and they haven't drank in 30 or whatever, because, you know, the second they get around alcohol, they just lose all control. I don't, I, I don't want anything being in control of me. You know, I want to be able to like, oh, you know, we're out at a steakhouse, you know, I want a beer with my steak. Addiction to me is control. If you don't have control over something, then by definition, you're addicted to it. I mean, you can be addicted to food. You can be addicted to porn. You can be addicted to whatever. Like, it doesn't even have to get you high. It doesn't even have to get you fucked up. Like, you can still be addicted to that. And and I think a lot of that is pattern. But, like, I don't want anything holding me hostage. I want to be able to go to a convention and hang around other people that are drinking and be able to talk to them. Like, that doesn't mean that I have to fucking drink. But I want to be able to control myself and, you know, like the 12 step programs and stuff. Like, I'm not saying anything bad about them. Like anything that helps anybody fucking that's awesome. Like, because everybody's different, you know, that there's always going to be some, some different way that, that somebody else benefits from something that somebody might not, you know? Um, but like, I just. I just, I don't know, man. Like I knew that, like, I can't fucking do this anymore. Like there was no 12 step program to it. It was just like, dude, if you don't stop, you're going to die. You know, I mean, like there's no other program for that. Like if you're at the point where, you know, you're, you're telling yourself, I'm going to die. 
in five years and you just continue to go like that's giving up. And I like, you know, like I said before, like, I, I don't want that to be my story, dude. Like, I don't want to die at 45. I don't want my kids to be in their mid twenties and their fucking dad's dead because he fucking drank himself into the ground. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not going to let that fucking happen. How do your kids like uh, seeing their dad actually finally having an opportunity to be a dad and be himself? Um, it's, it's night and day really. Um, I'm, I'm a big procrastinator. So <laughs> when I drank real heavy, um, it was like, all I did was procrastinate, like with everything, like soccer games, baseball games taking them out to the eat, going to the movies. Like it was always, you know, I'm going to set a date and then that day would come and I'd be drunk already. And I'd be like, well, let's do it tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes fucking drunk again. You know, now it's like, you know, when I say I'm going to do something, like do it. And, you know, the one big benefit and what, one of the things that I am very, very grateful for is that my kids are older now. Um, my oldest is 21. My middle son's going to be 20 here in about a month or two. Um, and they were so fucking supportive, dude. So supportive, especially like my middle son. He is one of the strongest people I know. And like 100% honesty, like I look up to my middle son um, just because he's like, this fucking kid built different, man. Like he's just, he's a good, good kid and he's very smart. Like any problem I have, man, like this, like, dude, he's 19. And when I have problems with like my relationship or like, you know, this or that, like work or whatever, like he's always there with like the best advice. It's, it's fucking crazy. But like, dude, I love it because I can actually enjoy my kids now, you know, before I couldn't enjoy them, man. I was drunk. I didn't care about anything other than what was on the TV or, you know, what was, I was looking at on my iPad. So now I'm able to actually enjoy that shit. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm able to see my kids, you know, do shit with their lights, whether it's, you know, having fun playing video game or, you know, going to HVAC school, you know, whatever makes them fucking happy, you know, um, it, it, it just, it's great, dude. And my, my daughter, um, it, it's the same thing. I have such a better relationship with my kids now. And like when you're drinking and, and, and you're doing drugs and shit, like it's, it's crazy how those things don't even cross your mind. Like you don't even notice it until you get sober and you realize like all of these great times that you're having and who you're spending them with. And you realize that like, you missed out on all that shit before. And it's like, it's kind of soul crushing to begin with, but when you realize that you're doing the right thing, it's a great feeling. Yeah, no, totally. Addiction is such a disease of selfishness. Yeah. Like above everything else. Like it's one of those things where when you're in active addiction, all you're thinking about is what do I want? Yeah. And, yep. and that always comes down to what I want is to get fucked up. But, yep. you know, there's all sorts of other things in between, whether it's what do I want to watch on TV? What do I want to eat for dinner? You know, even 
like when you talk about like having a partner, it's often about like, well, when do I want to have sex? When do I want to leave the house? Um, when do I want the dishes to be done? And, you know, those things can completely switch um, to actually like considering the fact that other people exist in this world, you know? Right. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's freeing because you build a lot more relationships when you get sober and when you start thinking more clearly, because those relationships that you're building, it, it's that there's no, there's no wall. There's yep. no fault. It's, it's raw emotion. And I think that's another thing that like, you know, a lot of addicts have a, a hard time dealing with is, you know, the emotion. Um, because when you're, when you're fucked up, I mean, your emotions, they don't range as much as they do when you're fucking sober. So when you're dealing with highs and lows when you're sober, like it gives you a better grasp of things and, and like, yeah, sometimes things are really fucking shitty when you're sober, but you know, that's not going to be forever. That doesn't last forever. Like pretty soon it will go back up and you'll be stronger for it, you know? And that for me, like that, you know, it, it, it was a hard lesson and, it, and, and it's something that I regret to a degree, but I am glad that I went through it because I, I, I really do think I'm a better person because of it. I remember, uh, I was probably like four, maybe five months sober, um, having a conversation with my father who I don't talk to as often as I should, and especially didn't when I was drinking, but I told him that I just didn't know like what I was doing or how I felt because like my rent was all paid and my bills are all taken care of and works are going good. And my wife and I haven't gotten into a fight recently. And I was like, I just don't know what's going on. And he's like, hey, you're content. Like, that's a good thing that you're feeling right now. Yeah. Um, and I just had no idea how to deal with that feeling because yeah. everything was good. Yeah. I've done this many times. I mean, I've tried to quit drinking. I've tried to quit pills many times. And like that, that's part of the thing that you fall back into because you, you put yourself in a position where things are different now and it doesn't feel right. So you're like, well, you know, you start getting antsy and shit. So you jump back into the same thing because to you, it feels normal, you know, especially doing it for so long. I mean, I'm, I'm 40 and for at least 25 years, I've been, you know, addicted to something and, you know, getting away from that. It's, it's, I mean, it, it, it's hard. Like it really is, but like, I can see the benefits clearly, like even a bad day for me now is still better than a good day when I was fucking hammered because I remember it. Like if I had something bad happen, I know I can learn from it. It's not like, oh, I'm going to go home and just forget about it, get fucking shit faced, you know? Yeah. That ability to learn lessons is <laughs> funny, you know, because I, I've never actually thought about that, but you're right. Don't repeat the same mistakes nearly the same way I did when I was in active addiction. <laughs> it, and it never occurred to me until just now. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, it's, you know, it, but the ability to actually reflect and like that's, you know, that's a big thing that I push with certain people in my life, especially people that have problems that don't want to acknowledge it. It's like, you know, you're not going to move forward making the same decisions that have put you into the position that you're in. You have to make a change. 
You know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result every time. And that it doesn't work like that. You have to make a fucking change and it's not going to be easy. Any help you can get, like you got to fucking take it. You're in a bad situation. Get out of that bad situation. You're with a dude that beat the fuck out of you. You got to get away from it. You know, if you continue to stay around that, you're not going to get away from it. Like you tell yourself you're going to, but that's not how the real world works. How has it been for you as a tattooer who's in recovery being around tattooers who aren't? Um, like the drinking thing is a little bit different because, you know, alcohol is so glorified everywhere. So that's one of those things where you have to like really callous yourself and be able to block that shit from, you know, your, your mind. Um, like I can, I can go to a restaurant. Like I don't go to bars straight up. Like I won't go to a fucking bar. Um, just because obviously, you know, that's a recipe for disaster. But I mean, like if, if I'm out with friends and, and you know, they're, they're having a beer or two, like it, it really doesn't bother, um, you know, with, with the other things like, uh, painkillers and like Coke and shit, like, um, I gotta stay away from it. And that's, that's like the crazy thing that like a lot of people don't realize when they haven't gone through like either addiction or they haven't been addicted to like multiple things because there's like, like alcohol I can deal with. Like, you know, if, if, if I was hanging out with friends and they were all drinking, like I wouldn't give a shit. Like I can either a have a single beer and be fine, or I can just not drink. It's not a big deal. But like, I personally don't trust myself around Coke and painkillers. Um, just because I know how easy it is to get back into it. Like it really only takes one time and like you're back on the wagon. Um, but that's just me. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like everybody's fucking different. You know, some people need a 12 step program. Some people don't, some people find God, some people find, you know, meditation, like w whatever it is, you know, everybody's different, but like, you know, again, like, uh, Everybody at my shop, um, they're, they're all the, the most fucking supportive people ever. Like they know I have issues with shit. So if they want to, you know, drink or whatever, and fuck in my shop, really nobody really drinks anyway, but like, I, I really don't have to worry about it. So as far as like the, the, the shop side of it, like it's, it's really it's, it's a non-existent problem. Um, now I like, I do have other friends like outside of, you know, tattooing and stuff like that, that, you know, they, they live their life the way that they do. And, you know, I just, I don't involve myself heavily in that area just because I don't want to put myself into a situation where I don't trust myself. And usually it's with, you know, the, the other narcotics and shit, you know, painkillers and coke. Um, like I said, I still smoke weed, but, um, you know, it's pretty much right before I go to bed and that's about it. So, Wait. so I think that kind of comes back to, too, you said you found like 
new sort of social situations too between your church and the gym yeah and and sort of creating like some new support structures that are sober spaces too so those friends who you made who are people that you know wanted to go to the bar all the time or always wanted to pick up a bag you know you don't need to feel involved with those people no um and like a big thing that you realize you know, down the road, especially being a tattooer is like, you know, I, I know a, a lot of tattooers, they hang out bars and, and fuck dude, 15 years ago, I did the same shit. You know, I'd tell my ex-wife like, Hey, I'm going to the bar, you know, I'm going to meet clients and blah, blah, blah. No, the fuck you're not dude. Rarely ever did I ever tattoo somebody that I met at the fucking bar. It's just an excuse to go to the fucking bar and do your thing. And, so, you know, like I said, like, you know, that's a big part of realizing and reflecting on what the reality of that shit is, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Well, and I feel like a lot of that too is realizing even if you did get clients, it's what's the fucking quality of those people. Oh, you right. know, like, do you want clients that, you know, are going to cancel because they're hungover? Do they you want clients that are going to try to not you know, tip you because they're going to say, Hey, I'll buy you some shots later. Like, and I would really prefer the money. That's how I get groceries. Right. 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 Um, yeah. And I mean, you know, like tattooing is crazy because, you know, there's been so much evolution in tattooing there. Um, you know, when I first started, like, like I said, it was in the early two thousands, you know, mid two thousands or whatever. And, uh, where it's at now, completely fucking different, completely different. And I love it because when I started tattooing there, I mean, there were like a lot of, you know, there, there were actual artists that were getting into it. And I'm not saying there wasn't, but like now, like, dude, you're like, okay. For instance, like David Gluck and his wife. Yep. Perfect example. Fine art backgrounds. And they rush tattooing and like, especially being sober now, dude, like I, I fucking love that so much, dude. Like, because they're pushing tattooing, like your work as well. Like, you know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. When you get actual motherfucking artists that learn how to fucking tattoo, they just blow everybody out of the fucking water and that makes everybody else that wants to get better it's pushing them but and that was what i was going to add on because you know when you do have people like that like that without having you know somebody doing tattoos that goes at it with an oil painter's mindset i i would have absolutely no motivation to look at my own work and be like wow what are they doing with, you know, this part, this, you know, this background that's all like blurred out and really mid tony across the whole thing. Like, oh, that would look yeah. so flat. I could never do that. And then you see it, you're like, yep. oh, actually that makes everything else look better. I should implement that. Yeah. And that's like that, you know, that goes back to our, our, our conversation before we started recording as far as like the shit talking and stuff. And it's like, you know, especially on Facebook and the groups and stuff, you know, it's easy to, it's easy to run your mouth, but like what I've found is that 
that doesn't bring any positivity at all. Like what I enjoy, what I've found, especially now anyway, like within the last year is that like, I get way more gratification out of seeing people that started tattooing like way after I did, but started crushing it way quicker. Like for instance, uh, Ginger Harris out of my old shop, you know, when he started tattooing, um, he had, you know, kind of had like a rough apprenticeship where, you know, he didn't really learn a whole lot. And, uh, me and, you know, my best friend, Jake basically told him like, we're just gonna point you in the right direction and figure it out. And dude, I, I, I can't tell you how much shit I've learned from him been inspired and the amount of respect that I have for him for what he's done from the time he started because when it comes down to it man like that's what we need in the industry we need people that are mentoring other people to the point where it becomes a learning experience for both parties like that's really how I think tattooing should be is like a learning experience and a learning tool for everybody to get better. Like, dude, I, I fucking learn a lot of shit off ginger and I'm a better tattooer for it. Whereas in a lot of other shops, you know, people get jealous of that shit. And I like for real, like I, I was one of those dudes years ago. And what, what is that? What does that bring you? Fucking nothing, dude. Like, How much do you how much do you think like your alcohol and drug use stunted like your tattoo career then? Oh, oh, fucking immensely, dude. Absolutely immensely. Like, um, I'd be too fucking lazy to want to even draw. I mean, you know, I would, I would wake up and I'd go about my day and I'd be planning my day and shit. And I'd be like, well, I got to be home by seven or eight so I can start drinking, you know? While I'm drinking, I'm going to, I'm going to draw some shit up, make some flash, whatever, maybe draw my appointment. And then, you know, an hour into it, I'm like, dude, I don't even want to fucking draw. I just want to fucking drink. Like, you know, focusing on this artwork is actually, you know, making my buzz shitty. So from being sober, like my perspective on art has completely changed. My drive on art has completely changed. Um, the, a lot of the stuff that I'm drawing, like personally for myself is way more realistic and detail driven than, you know, the original things that I draw for like, you know, say like flash and shit like that. So like my artistic abilities are improving and, and it's been a cool decade since I've really seen any type of improvement in my art. Probably saw but, a, a downgrade in your artist things went over that decade. If, at least if, if you were anything like me, I look back at like my portfolio from eight years ago and my portfolio four years ago. And like the eight-year-old portfolio is better than the four-year-old portfolio. Yeah. 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 And a lot of that, you know, um, as you get sober and you start to get mentally stronger, you notice that you don't slack off as much when you're tattooing. Like I, I remember at a point where 
dude, I wouldn't tattoo over three hours because I just mentally couldn't fucking deal with it because I would end up rushing the tattoo for the last hour and a half. And then I see it healed and I'm like, fuck. Like, well, now I got to fucking redo that shit, you know? So that's fucking money down the drain. Whereas now, dude, I can tattoo for fucking eight hours straight and it feels like four hours. I definitely have noticed the same thing. I don't tattoo eight hours, but like there was a time when I would start a tattoo at one and be watching the clock. And the second it hit, it hit four. I was trying yep. to get that thing finished because I wanted to be at the bar at five. So, yeah, yep. yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And there's just so much like just trash out there for me too, which is embarrassing to say, but <clears throat> God, I just like some terrible tattoos that I just wanted to get done, you know? Yep. And that's the only reason they turned out bad. Um, it's because I just didn't give a shit about them anymore. Same thing here, man. Like, and, and it's really sad because like, especially when you, you say that you pride yourself in your work and then you're doing a tattoo and you're, you know, three, four hours in and, and you're rushing everything to get it done as quick as you can. So you can go home and tie it off. Like you don't even think about it at the time. But I think that whole, I pride myself on my work thing is something we're just taught to say as tattooers, especially as tattooers who aren't really that proud of our work. You yeah. know, we, if we just repeat it enough, it makes it true. Yeah. Um, and also it's like lying to yourself because the more, you, the more you say it, the more you start to believe it, even though you're not putting in the effort. I see it in other people now. Whereas yeah. like before I would, I, if I saw it in someone else, I w would talk shit about it. And now I see it and I feel like bad about it, yep. you know, which is so funny because I would talk shit when I was the one doing the exact same thing. And now that I am putting in a lot of energy and effort into my work i see it and i'm like fuck if only they would just figure out that thing that they're doing wrong yep they could change their whole lives yep it, it, turns out that whole thing is being addicted to shit you know yeah yeah it, and it's not even always that it often is that but yeah. you know there's a lot of guys who are so wrapped up in like what facebook is going to think or instagram is going to think about what they're doing or wrapped up in how to make a cool TikTok that they yeah. don't uh -huh. even like care about the actual product that they're giving people. Um, well, that's like the whole celebrity thing, you know what I'm saying? Like celebrities getting shitty tattoos and stuff. And it's like, you know, how many, you know, tattooers are putting out subpar work and charging thousands for it, you know, and they, and they get paid, but it's like, I don't know, you know, shit repeats itself like we always talk about like don't get small lettering tattoos and now we see like the most intricate mandalas you'll ever see in your life and it's like well, what the fuck is that gonna look like in 10 years yeah i mean legit you know nope it's it's a lot of the same thing you know um but i think that boils down to what does the tattooer want to do that is gonna get them more business you know Right. Like, and nobody is interested in seeing the small lettering tattoos. Right. Like everybody wants to see, you know, a, a face the size of your thumbnail or, <laughs> you know, or like you said, like a mandala that's so intricate that like, it's all going to be a black blob in yep. five years. 
Um, like, I mean, they can be done well. Like, that's not even, you know. Oh, like totally. Yeah. But it's like, man, you, you see some of these mandalas that are done, you know, and it's like the fucking details done with an eight liner. It's like, dude, you know, but it is what it is, man. And And honestly, like, a lot of tattoos for me, like the ones that I remember anyway, it's, it's, it's always been about the experience, you know, what was going on around, you know, the people that I was with, you know, just that frame and time, but totally. Do you think that you're able to give like a proper experience now to your clients where you couldn't before? Yeah. Um, uh, my, my whole client representation has been a lot differently. And honestly, I didn't realize it until recently. I actually had a client that I've tattooed multiple times that, uh, she actually told me that like, you know, I actually really had a good time, you know, talking and, you know, uh, just, it was a nice experience. And honestly, like it was about a two and a half hour tattoo and it took me about four hours just because we were talking and having a good time. Like, you know, that's another thing that, um, I've benefited from, from getting sober is not worrying about the clock, just enjoying the time that I'm there. You know, when I quote a tattoo, I'm, I'm quoting what I think is fair to a certain degree. Like if I take an extra hour on that tattoo, I'm not charging more for it. Like I'm making sure that I'm getting a better tattoo, but I'm also making sure that I'm giving you a better experience. Um, and, and I think that's something that a lot of tattooers don't take into consideration is the, the interpersonal connection between, you know, the artist and client, like is very important. Like if you're tattooing somebody, you can do the best tattoo in the fucking world. But like, if you gave them a bad experience the whole time, like they're not coming back. Well, and a guaranteed bad experience is having someone standing over you who smells like rum for three hours. Yeah. Yeah. And that's also something that, you know, we don't, uh, we, we don't think about, you know, when we're tattooing, it's like, yeah, I brushed my teeth. I took a shower, but I'm sweating fucking alcohol. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I've had people comment to me afterwards now that I'm in recovery. Um, about the fact that like, oh yeah, you stank. Like you, you definitely, you smelled like all that Jameson. You know? oh, shit. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I was also at the end, you know, drinking Jameson before coming in. Right. There were a couple times, uh, you know, where I, uh, I hadn't fucking drank before I went in or else the shit wasn't going to work. And, um, my ex. She, uh, she caught me a couple times and, uh, you know, she really put the, uh, she, she put a stop and, and that was good. I'm glad she did. Even though we were both pretty bad alcoholics, like she could really notice that like you're going way far yeah. and you know, it, it was embarrassing at the time that it happened, but it did reel me in, but like still, you know, having that problem, like fuck dude. You know, that, that entire thing, you know, got destroyed from alcohol and it's been a hard thing to deal with because, you know, it's like the harder you try to go back to that shit, it, it's never going to be what you think it's going to be. And 
you know, that that's part of my, my life right now that I'm struggling with is realizing that like some things that I wanted to be able to fix, like you can't, you know, and like that, that relationship was, was one of them. Like, uh, you know, it just, it sucks the way everything happened, but you can't do anything but to move forward and keep trying to be better. Like that, I guess is just a part of life. It's a hard thing to look back on. Cause you know, you, when you think about fucking stuff up, you're like, oh yeah, you know, those are all like material things. Like, okay, I, I got drunk and I fucking knocked my TV over or fucking, you know, yelled at my dog or whatever. But when you look at irreparable damages that you've caused, it's, it's a really, really shitty thing to know that like the marks you make are super permanent, not just as tattoos, but on people's lives. But the thing that I've sort of come to the conclusion of in my own life, at least, is that everything that I've done that I think can't be repaired can probably be forgiven. You know, does that make sense? Like, I don't have to fix things necessarily. Um, I just have to hope that people will accept them as things done by a person who was in a different state. Yeah. Um, um, like, uh, I totally agree. And like the thing that I struggle with that, you know, sometimes I, I try to fix things too hard or I, I, I'm too aggressive and I end up making it worse. And it's coming to the realization that, you know, you have to just work on yourself. And if other people see that you've become better, then that's awesome. You know, some people aren't going to give you the benefit of the doubt because of what you've done and what you've caused. And that's something that, you know, you, you have to be able to accept. Like if you really want to take accountability, um, that's the only true way of going about it is being like, you know what? I am a better person than I was. I fucked everything up. They still hate me for that person that I was. And, you know, I have to accept that. You know what I'm saying? And it's hard. It it fucking sucks. Totally, man. Um, I live by the serenity prayer. Uh, You know, AA is all about that. I don't go to AA anymore. Uh, I used to, though, and it got driven into my head. And it's, God, give me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Um, Yeah. I've I've got it on a cross above my TV staring at me every time I sit on my couch. Um, because yeah. I think it's just such an important thing for everybody in life, but especially for addicts who have really just fucked off a lot of things. Um, yeah. Yeah. to just know some, some things just aren't yours to deal with and you yeah. gotta, you gotta turn them over and just put them in the universe's hands. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we're getting towards the end of like, we're at about an hour now, man. Do you have anything that you really think somebody who is not wanting to make the steps to get sober, um, do you have anything that you would tell them? 
to make them just relook at their life. Reach out, man. Um, like it, it, it doesn't matter what it's about, like what, what it is that you're using. You know, I mean, like I said before, like, fuck, it could be food. It could be sex. It could be drugs. It could be any, anything using as a vice to run away from the truth, man. You got to reach out. Um, you know, this day and age that we live in, uh, you know, even though technologically advanced as we are, you know, mental health is still very, very, very fucking, you know, down. Like, um, had I not reached out to a certain number of people, I'd be fucking dead 100%. And, and because I reached out to a couple friends, um, I was able to get the courage to actually make the fucking change and do the things that I knew that I needed to do. Um, there's no shame in that shit, man. And like, I don't give a fuck what anybody says. People say that like, oh, you got to fucking be tough. Fuck you, dude. That's how people fucking die. You know, the United States is the best country on the fucking planet, but we also have the highest fucking suicide rate. Explain that shit. You know. You got, you got to reach out, man. You know, if, if, if you sense that there's a, there's a problem in your life, man, you got to do something about it. Prolonging it just makes it worse. That just means there's going to be more demons that you got to face when you get sober. Like take it from me, dude, I'm fucking 40. I've been addicted to shit since I was a fucking kid that, that well over 20 years. And you know, there's things that I fight now that are you know fucking 15 years deep and i'm just now facing it I mean, but there's a definite light at the end of the tunnel but you got to do the work you know it's just like tattooing man you ain't gonna get anywhere if you don't put in the work our lives are the same way where we got to put in the fucking work to be better humans straight up i couldn't agree with you more anybody listening i am a safe space to reach out to if you need a friend if you don't feel like you can admit what you're going through to somebody who knows you too well um you, you know reach out to me tom i'm assuming you're a good spot to reach out to right oh absolutely man absolutely cool um and then one last question before we call it a day what are you going to do with this new life that you've been given what's on the horizon for you I'm going to try to be the best person I can be, man, and just try to be a positive influence on other people, especially my kids and my family, because they, you know, they, they missed out on a lot. You know, I missed out on a lot. Um, I want to push my tattooing and my career, you know, um, I want to travel more. I want to meet more people. Um, but my really only goal and aspiration is to be better just be a better fucking person. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't care where it takes, you know, whether I stay in tattooing or whether I find another path, like it doesn't matter. You know, it's, it's becoming a better person and a better human because the more of us that are out there that are just trying to be decent, that that's the only way we change the world.